Good morning. I'm using my husband's new Bible. So if my pages stick together this morning, it's not because I don't read my Bible, but it's, it's brand new. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to day number four of prayer and fasting. We are on our fourth day, and we're looking for many things to break loose during this time. So, and just uh, pressing into God on on things of vision, but not only just vision, but what, what maybe there's been things that's been a, a hindrance or a struggle up to this time, but we pray that those things break loose in January as you're spending time with the Lord. And of course, we talked about fasting on Wednesday, but today I want to talk about prayer, prayer, because prayer is the backbone. Fasting by itself can do nothing without prayer, without the backbone of prayer. Fasting can accelerate things to happen and put a supernatural oomph behind it. But prayer itself has to be the cornerstone. It has to be the backbone of, of getting and seeing those things come to pass. So we're going to focus this morning entirely on prayer. Um, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Father, I pray that you anoint my words this morning as they go forth, that it pierces people's spirit, their heart, Lord, that it is, uh, brings forth fruit that is everlasting, that it does not go and find fallow ground, but instead it finds good soil, it finds a place to get rooted, and Lord, that every person would uh, have mind open to receive your word this morning, that it would penetrate deeply. Father, that the, the prayer, the altar of prayer would come forth this morning in people's hearts, that there would be a, just an attachment to your word and the things of your word, that there would be covenant this morning that happens in people's hearts and in their spirit, that they wouldn't leave this place without making a covenant, a lasting covenant of prayer with you, that they would determine that this year is going to be different than past years, that this year is going to be a year of upping my prayer life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, Romans, Romans 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your spiritual worship. God expects us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And part of that living sacrifice, he calls us a living sacrifice, because we, we are living, but we have to die to self. And part of that dying to self means that we die to the, to the things that, you know, we want to stay busy. It's so normal and, and for us to, to wake up and want to get busy, busy, busy through our day and stay active through our day. It's harder for us to just kind of slow down and quiet ourselves because we think of that as not being productive. But the thing is, and of course we can quiet ourselves and sit there and, and also not be praying and being productive in our spiritual life. But God wants us to tune into him. And to spend time with him. And part of that living sacrifice is building an altar of prayer in our life. 
Now, when I talk about an altar of prayer, I'm not just talking about a physical altar. In the Old Testament, they did build altars, and they would come and they would bring sacrifices to the altar. But what you, what you have to look at that example and see is that many covenants were formed because of an altar that was built. If you think of Abraham and the covenant that came when he went to sacrifice his own son, Isaac, like the Lord had asked him to, there was a covenant after that was done that was made. And God said, you know what? You didn't withhold your one and only son. And of course, it was a representation. It was a type of Christ that pointed to Jesus Christ being our Savior. But he said, because you did not withhold the thing that was so precious, most precious to you, then I'm going to make your descendants of the earth like the stars of the heaven and the sand of the, the, of the land, the, the dirt of the land. And so Abraham walked through life looking at these things, the stars and the earth, seeing that I'm going to have descendants. I'm going to have descendants. And, of course, we know the nation of Israel today is the result of that covenant. So covenant time with God and putting, putting your life as a sacrifice on the altar of prayer does mighty, mighty things. Because what I want you to understand this morning, prayer is communication with God. It is talking with him. It is having an intimacy with him. But I think Pastor Brad talked about it a little bit last week. He said, many times we talk, but we don't listen. We talk, talk, talk. Yeah, I prayed to God today. But it's like getting on the phone with your, with your friend going, hi, how are you today? I did all this. Okay, bye. And, and you talk it up, but you don't listen. And there's, there's an intimacy. You wouldn't do that with a friend. Or at least I hope you wouldn't. That would mean you weren't being a very good friend. That's an extra tidbit. If you're doing that, then, you know, ask your friend how she's doing. Okay? But the friend wants to have some talk time, too. They want to be able to relate. They want to be able to have an intimate relationship with you. You don't get to know someone by just going out and, and sitting down with them and talking their ear off or just sitting there staring at them. So there has to be communion together, fellowship together. There has to be a time when you guys talk with one another. And, of course, the Lord speaks to us in different ways. But the thing is, and I'm not going to talk on that this morning because I don't have time to get into that. That's going to be a different sermon. But the Lord wants us to commune together, to have fellowship with one another, to build the intimate relationship. It's for our advantage so we can know his voice. My sheep will know my voice, right? We want to know the voice of the shepherd. So we have to build an altar of prayer out of our life. Yes, they have Physical altars in the Old Testament, and even today, there can be a location or a place where prayer has happened a lot, and the, and the things of the Spirit have been attracted to that place because there has been people that have opened themselves up to spiritual things. That is on the positive side with the Holy Spirit as well as the negative. You can do things that will attract evil spirits as well. Let me give you this as an example. Cain and Abel both set up altars in the Old Testament, correct? Are we reading our word? Yes, okay. Talk to me a little bit this morning. 
Get excited, participate. So Cain and Abel both built altars to the Lord. You had Cain build one, you had Abel build one. Cain brought some of his, some of his portions from the ground because he raised crops. He brought some of his portions, but Abel, it said, brought his first fruits and fat portions, which is a big difference. Meaning he didn't bring his leftovers. That's why Pastor Brad and I, or Pastor Brad was saying that we, we sow a lot in the beginning of the year. Not that we uh, don't sow the rest of the year, but the beginning, we give our first fruits. That's what we give to our head pastor. Because there's actually a law in, in the Old Testament about that. There is a blessing and a covenant behind that. So we give our first fruits to our head pastor. And we present him with the first fruits of our year. That, that is a covenant that you can be in with God. But the thing is, here you have Abel. He's giving his first fruits. He's giving, that's why we give our tithe. It's the first fruits of what we give. Get every time we get paid. We give the first fruits of that check. See, there's a covenant around first fruits. God actually uh, wanted the first fruits of every womb. So he went, people had to give their firstborn child. Now you didn't go lay that on the altar, but you did have to present it and then you bought it back with a, with a certain amount because it was a, a child, you know, it's not a thing. There were also certain things that people had to present the first fruit of other animals. So God pays attention to first fruits. There's a, there's a, a whole lesson in first fruits. So first fruits of our year is also fasting, the first fruits of 2020, of the first of our year. That's why we fast. We give up food. We give up uh, things that, that we enjoy, that we like, in order to press into God. The power of first fruits, the power of the covenant of first fruits. So here you have Abel that was giving first fruits. He was giving the fat portions. He was giving his what? Best. His best. His beginnings, because you know what that does? How many of you have farmed and, and you see the tomatoes or you see the peppers or you see something growing out there and it's like, oh, they're coming on. And, and you get out there and you get excited and it's like you pick off the first four or five and you're excited about that and you're like, yes, salsa or chili or whatever it is you like to make from your, or just sliced tomatoes with cottage cheese or something. But the thing is, they would have to give their first fruits. So that first portion went to the Lord. Your taste buds had to be set aside and your first fruits went to God. That's how God designed it. So Abel puts his first fruits up on the altar. Cain does not. Cain gives his leftovers, maybe some that came from the, the earth, the garden, but it wasn't his first fruits and it wasn't his best. And so God asks him, Cain, were you not able to, to do your best? Like his offering, Abel, your brother's offering was accepted. Yours was not. You had a choice because Cain was angry. And God knew. And he said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. See, what was going on with Cain is he got mad. See, people still do this today. They still get mad over tithe. They still get mad over money issues. <laughs> it was all back in the very, very beginning. Cain got mad. Why? Because Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's was not. Some people think that God accepts every single offering. He doesn't. Because he looks at the offering and says, what did it really mean to you? What did, are you following my covenant? Because if you're just throwing a dollar in here and a dollar in there, but you're making this amount here, it's not really attached to your heart. It's not really a sacrifice. And so here you have Cain and Abel. Cain gets mad. He, he murders Abel, but he had, a, he had a chance because God told him, sin's crouching at your door. 
You have the opportunity right now to master it. He was giving him an advance notice. He didn't master it. He allowed the anger, the bitterness to rage up into a spirit of murder. So what happens next? He murders his brother, but then, and he thinks, oh, nobody sees it. But God sees it. And God approached him and says, Cain, what have you done? Where's your brother? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Getting sassy with God? Can you imagine getting sassy with God like that? Well, he did. He went there. He got sassy. And, and God says, your brother's blood has went into the ground, and it's crying out to me. Why? Because the Bible says that the life is in the blood. He said, your brother's blood is crying out to me. So the very life, the very spirit of Abel was crying out to God to, to be vindicated. And so God says, you now will not be able to, to get the, the fruit of the ground. You're going to have to work extremely hard. You're not going to be able to, to reap the benefits of the soil. The ground is going to be cursed because of you. Where you, where you farm, it's going to be cursed. You're not going to be able to, to reap the benefits of that. So there was a curse that, that he brought on him. Why am I going into all of this? Because Cain was in a place where he allowed a spirit of anger, a spirit of bitterness, a spirit of murder to build up in his heart until he produced an act. When he produced that act and he followed through with the act that was in his heart, guess what? There's a spiritual realm that's happening that we don't see. When we allow those things to come out of our life, Spirits are attracted to like things. So if that spirit, that's why spirits try to influence us in bad ways. Because if we will act out on those things, we're inviting spirits into our life. So here you have a position of, of Cain inviting bad things into his life. His, his, the spirit, a murderous spirit, a spirit of, of, of even he tried to lie to God. Well, I don't know where he's at. So you've got a negativity, a, a spirit of, of, of anger and, and hurt and, and murder happening here. But God said, Abel, Abel's spirit is crying out to me and has caused me to, to want to cause vindication because he was found worthy. God's eye is on people that are worthy. He wants to fight on their behalf. So when we are, are presenting ourselves at an altar of prayer and we're repeating, repeating, repeating the goodness of God, the prayers, when we're putting ourselves in a place of repetition, of doing the things that God wants us to do, guess what? The Holy Spirit is attracted to that. So there, there, we can attract evil spirits. We can attract good spirits. In, think of it this way. If you've seen generational things happening, it's just like a family can't shake something off of their life. It's because somewhere along the way, there was a, a man or a woman that decided that they were going to allow that thing to rise up in their life. They continued to practice something, whether it was uh, lying, a lying spirit, a thieving spirit, uh, whatever it was, a hatred, an abuse, whatever it may have been, lust, and that thing was practiced and practiced. Well, spirit gets attracted to that. And so then there's a spirit that, that begins to cling on to that family because there's been an invitation. There's been an invitation. But the opposite happens with the Holy Spirit. When we practice prayer, when we, when we set ourselves up for a place of, of following the lead of the Holy Spirit, praying and, and, and that altar of prayer, that altar with the, with the Holy Spirit, spending time, we're attracting the Holy Spirit. You can, your own life, you, as a living sacrifice, can make yourself an altar of prayer. 
I want you to let that sink in for a moment. An altar of prayer. You can build it up so much to the point that other people can sense when they're around you, they can sense the Holy Spirit on your life. Because you have built that up in your spirit, man, to the point that it's manifesting out of your life. So the altar of prayer is important for us to attract the things of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's where transformation happens. It's where we begin. Because if you look in, in the verse 2, Romans 12, 1, or 12, 2, that's when it says to be, be not conformed to the patterns of this world. We're supposed to be renewed by our mind. How? By the word. By the word. But the only way we're allowed or the only way that we're going to get the word, because if you just read the word and, and you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you don't have God living on the inside of you, it's just words. And if we're not careful, we can even have a, a routine where we're, we're not allowing it to penetrate us, where we build up a hardness and we won't allow it to transform us. We're, we're just going through a reading pattern, but we're not allowing it to transform us. It's kind of like marinating meat. You got to let it set for three days and then it, that, that marinade gets in there and makes it taste really good on the third day when you grill it. Well, it's kind of like that's what prayer does. Prayer is like when you marinate in it, when you marinate in prayer, then the Holy Spirit can have more of an effect on your life because he can speak to you. And when you do read the word and then when you do enter into worship, then it's like, boom, he can transform you. Your heart's already soft. Your heart is already in a place where it's responding to him. So it's important that we build an altar of prayer. Because here's the thing. Evil spirits and the Holy Spirit, the, the spiritual realm, spirits cannot just wreak havoc here on earth without a human vessel. There are three realms. Understand there's God's realm. There's, there's a, 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 an area where there's spirits that is a spiritual realm. And then there's earth. There's an earthly realm, a terrestrial realm. Well, our bodies are earthly. It's terrestrial. So that means when, when the Holy Spirit wants to commune with us, it has to commune with our spirit who lives in our body. But we're not just an earthly body. We have a spirit man. So God communes with our spirit. He's not communing with our earthly, our earthly body. That's why when Abel was killed, it said his blood was crying out. His body wasn't crying out. He wasn't crying out with his words. He wasn't crying out of his body. He was crying out of his spirit. So evil spirits look for a vessel to inhabit. Why? Because they want to have an effect on this earth. The only way they can have an effect is if a vessel will open themselves up to them. Same thing with God. I, I, I need to get this through to you because the thing is, people think, well, if God wants to do something, he'll just do something. Understand, God's spirit needs a vessel also. He has to work through people. If someone's going to get saved, does God come down and save them? No. Who has to bring them to the Lord? We do. A vessel. Because God said, I've already done everything I could do. I sent my son out. People need to go out and proclaim it. People have to go out and, and begin to spread the gospel and tell and share to others what God has done. It can't, God's not going to come down and drop in front of you and say, have you heard what Jesus Christ has done for you? No, you don't hear of that happening. 
Because he, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the thing is, prayer is so important. And when we realize that the impact that we have on earth, the impact that God can have on earth is dependent upon us and it rides on our backs, that's so important. We must have that revelation or we'll just kind of ditch prayer and say, well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. Well, if God wants to have an impact, he'll have an impact. If God wants to make this area, uh, you know, do this, then he'll do that. You can travel to, to various parts of the world, and you can see strongholds that are, that are in certain communities. And the reason why is because people let them in. People allowed them in. And as a result, certain spirits run rampant through that community. You can see it. It's like it goes through every family. It hits every family. Why? Because people allowed it. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's not just a, I bind this in Jesus' name. I bind that. Understand, what we allow, what we permit, and what we forbid, it's in our actions as well. It's not just a, a spiritual thing where you hear in prayer, I bind this and I loose that. It's also what we do on this earth. If we allow something to happen in our family, if we allow something to creep in, then we are allowing that to be loosed into our family. So we have to take ownership. But in some ways, this is a good thing. Like, you got to understand, like, yes, I've got, I, it, it's no longer just a, because people have this mind that it's just this lottery thing, you know, that you just spit in the lottery or just roll in the dice and, you know, just, we don't know what God's up to. But he has put responsibility on our shoulders. Turn to the book of Psalms 115. Verse 16. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to man, or to the children of man. Listen, listen to that verse. The heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to who? Man, us. In the very beginning, what did he tell Adam? He said, I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to multiply it. I want you to replenish it. I want you to have dominion over it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the animals of the earth. Make sure it populates. Make sure that, that you are productive in what you're doing. He gave the earth to man. But it, man forfeited it to the enemy. So it's kind of like if you've ever um, heard of subleasing, like someone that moves into a house and then uh, for whatever reason something comes up and they say, oh, I can't fulfill my contract. I've got to move, you know, to this location and I've only been here for four months. I need someone to fulfill the rest of this contract for me or I'm going to end up being in trouble with my landlord. So they find somebody, can you move into this house and fulfill the rest of the eight months for this year? Subleasing. So someone else moves in. Will you forfeit anything to do with that home now. 
So you move out. Now, if they want to paint the kitchen, or if they want to do this, or if they want to put the furniture here, or move things around, then guess what? You don't have any say over it anymore. Because you moved out and left it in their possession. That's what man did with the enemy. When he took of the fruit and decided to take the fruit that God said not to, well, then he forfeited his dominion of the earth to Satan. And guess what? Satan had to find a vessel to move through as well. Who was that vessel? A serpent. He moved through a serpent because he had to find some way to get to the children of God because he hated the children of God. You are made in his image, which we'll get to here in just a second. But you are made in his image, so he does not like the children of God. He cannot touch you, or he cannot touch God, so he wants to touch God's most prized possession. You are the apple of his eye. You are made in his image. You are made like God. As a result, you have an enemy because he cannot touch God. So he comes after the children of God. So this earth is given to us. But when Adam forfeited it to Satan, then there's a realm. That's why he's called the prince of this air or the prince of this realm, because he now has dominion unless the children of God take over again. When Jesus Christ died, he went and got the keys. He gave us all power and dominion again. He gives the authority to operate in his name. So you have here, you have that the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth belongs to man. Now turn over to Psalms 82. I know this sounds like, what does this have to do with prayer? It has everything to do with prayer. Because if we don't realize our authority and if we don't realize our position, then we'll just kind of shrug prayer off and think, why am I, you know, it's not really doing any good. But once you have a revelation of what prayer does and that you actually see yourself as, as some a type of conduit or authority on this earth, you have to begin to see yourself that way or you will not feel or believe that your powers have, or your prayers have any effect. And when we don't believe that our prayers have any effect, then we have no faith. When we have no faith, then it's impossible to please him. So it just goes right down the line. So we have to realize our position before we can have an effective prayer life. Psalms 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Look at that. In the midst of the gods. Do you know that that little G, gods, He's talking about us. He's not talking about the gods as in, you know, all the foreign gods and, and the, you know, uh, Pele and, and, you know, from Hawaii. He's not talking about gods from there or gods from Africa or God. He's not talking about those gods that people make up. He's talking about us, Elohim. It's a little E because him, he's capital E, Elohim. We are little e, Elohim. We are made. That's what that word is in the original language. Little e, just like him. Is that not amazing? That should get you excited. Elohim. He says that he sits in the council of the gods, meaning us. Of the gods. What are the gods? They are rulers and judges. That means any area. This is why I talk so much about having influence in your realm. Because whatever realm God has given you, whether it's your family, your workplace, whatever it is, you're, you're responsible for that realm. God wants to grow you in that realm so you can be a greater influence and he can move you to higher positions. That's his desire. He does not want any child of God to say, stay small. 
He wants to make you a wonder on this earth. He wants to make you, in fact, the Bible says that. He wants to make you a wonder. There's a song that we sing sometimes that says that God makes me a wonder. How's that go? By Sinatra. I'm a wonder. Yeah. Look at me. I'm a wonder. Now, a lot of people would say that sounds boastful. But the thing is, when we don't know who we are, we'll walk around with our head down, and we won't have any idea who we, are, who we are, and we won't have an impact on society. We won't have an impact with people. This is why people shy away from spreading the gospel. This is why people shy away from sharing Christ, because they really believe they have no influence. They really believe that they have nothing on the inside of them to offer. But the thing is, once you know who you are in Christ... Once you know Christ and really know who he is, then you know you've got something to offer. You know that you've got something living on the inside of you that is powerful. And if you know who you are in Christ, then you can walk through life knowing that you're going to have an influence and you're going to have an effect. Fear doesn't, it doesn't bother you. Like things can come, but you know that you're authority over that thing, so you don't fear it. Things might try to manifest in your life, but you draw the line and say no. I know who I am in Christ. I know the boundary markers. I know where he's positioned us in life. I know where he has called us to. I know what he's told me that I am. So you position yourself for authority. So he judges. He judges among the gods. That's us. So we're setting. That's why we have to get counsel. Because we have to have right judgment for us to be able to judge. We're to look at situations and say, what is going on here that's wrong? What is it that God wants to do in this situation? This is where prophecy and everything comes into effect because we've got to see situations that we're supposed to have an influence over and begin to change that in our prayer life and through prophesying. When we begin to do that, it's not about arguing with people and it's not about fussing with people because many times that's just going to make matters worse. So you got to cover it in prayer first. What did Esther do? For three days she called a fast, fast and prayer. She didn't just go in and say, well, I'm going to go in there and tell the king this, and, you know, if I die, I die. She did say, if I die, I die. But first she said, let's set ourselves to prayer and fast. Why? Because she was beseeching the help of God. She wasn't just saying, this is on me. She's like, I'm putting this on God. This has got to be God's thing because I don't have the power to do it. But she fasted and she prayed for three days along with her country, her, her people. And then she went in and presented and the king says, whatever you want. What's on your heart? What is it? I'll hear it out. And guess what? God turned the tables and everything that the enemy was trying to do in killing every Jewish person in the province and in that nation got turned around. And the enemy, Haman, was the one that was trying to plot all this. He was the one that was hung on his own gallows. It reversed the effect it reversed the effect of what the enemy was trying to do because the enemy is always trying to wipe out God's children. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his plan. That is what he wants to do. When we realize that, that evil things don't come from God, instead of saying, oh, why did you let this happen? We've got to have a thing of a, an innate thing on the inside of us that has authority that says, I am a child of God. I am not going to allow this to happen. Because if we just lay down and decide that, well, I guess this is just what God's will was. There's a lot of things that happen on earth. It's not God's will. 
It's not God's will that many things that are happening right now around the world, it's not God's will for girls to be trafficked. It's not God's will that people die on the streets on drugs. It's not God's will. But guess what? If we don't do something about it, it still continues because that is what the the army of God is supposed to do. That's why he gives burdens and passions to certain people because he's trying to give them that realm. He's trying to give them that realm of influence. That's why we talk a lot about vision and focus. Vision and focus. Because the thing is, once you understand, it's not for you to be all over the place doing everything. It's for you to have a vision and to build upon that thing and make it great to have an influence on that thing. He wants you to have an impact. Esther had a purpose. She was not out in the community doing 600, as the queen, 600 different community things. She had a purpose, and she had to have a discernment about why she was there. For such a time as this, this is why I've been called here. She had a good advisor. She had her uncle Mordecai who said, For such a time as this, this is why you've been called here. Maybe this is the reason you've been chosen to be put in this position. What position is God trying to put you in? And you know, we've got to start where we're at. Whether it's with our families, our own personal life, getting things in order there. If there's things in our own personal life that that need shifted, that need taken control over control over in the spiritual realm, then we've got to do that. That's where we've got to practice. I practiced at home before I was ever given responsibility over people. I had to practice at home. I had to begin to release my faith at home. I had to begin to release it over my children. I had to begin to release it over my health. Those things have to be practiced at home, and then God wants to give you more. He wants to raise you up to a greater level of influence. So the heavens are the Lord, the Lord's. Verse 2, how long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice, he's talking to people, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. People working on behalf of others that can't. They're bringing in the, the thing of God into situations for people that don't know how to. Verse 4, rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, look at this. I said, ye are gods, sons of the Most High. All of you, nevertheless, like men, shall die and fall like any prince. I read that wrong. Sorry. Sons of men, sons of the Most High, all of you. Semicolon. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Why does that say that? Because if people don't know who they are, they fall and they die like mere men. They don't ever rise up. They don't ever shine. They don't ever look like what God wanted them to look like. They don't ever come to a place of influence or authority because they didn't know who they were. They didn't know the authority that was given to them. They didn't know that God had placed them there to rule and judge and reign. Once we get that and we can be raised up into position, that's where he wants us to be. What is it that he's been speaking to you about? Because everything he speaks to us about and wants us to begin to do has everything to do with our position and our authority in him. How he wants to bring in his influence into this realm. 
because he's got to have the vessel to work through. He needs you. He needs you. You ever see the Uncle Sam poster, I need you? God's saying, I need you. Yes, I know God doesn't need any of us in the scope of that he is the all-powerful, but in order to have an influence on the realm of the earth, he has set certain, certain things in place, certain justice systems, and he will not go beyond those because it wouldn't be right for him to break his own law. He has given the earth to man. He cannot just step in at any point and say, ho, 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 just hold up, guys. I, I, didn't, I don't want you murdering each other. He needs men and women of God to begin to rise up and to begin to take their place. What is your place? What is your place? It's first got to be birthed out of prayer. You must birth it out of prayer. It must be birthed on the altar of prayer. Yes, an altar can be here, but it also is, is where we're at, where we, where we find ourselves praying. You have to be an altar of prayer in order to have influence. You know, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord, but revealed things belong to us and our children. Now, that's really interesting, given the scope of all of these things. Secret things belong to the Lord, but revealed things belong to us and our children. The things that he reveals to us, he wants us to do something about. So there are certain things that he doesn't reveal to us because they're, they're not for us to know right now. They are kept in heaven. But as soon as he releases them to earth, what is he doing? He's giving us the power and the influence to have a position over that thing. So when he, there are times that, that people have had dreams, right? I've had dreams before over my children. And I knew that I, I can't just let that pass. I've got to take authority over that. Because what it was was God showing me something that could happen if I didn't take authority over that. So there, were, there have been dreams that have been given to me. Why? It wasn't just for me to just sit back and go, oh, God gave me a dream. Now I'm in fear that this thing's going to happen. And that's what many people do. They operate in fear after they have the dream. But what God's trying to do is he's trying to show you. He's trying to reveal it to you. Why? Because he's given you the position of authority to rule and reign over that thing. And it may be intercession. It may be on behalf of someone else because they don't know how to pray for themselves. That's the prayer of intercession. There's different types of prayer. Actually, God was, I, I, I spent all day yesterday laying out different types of prayer because I wanted to, to go over that and God completely changed my sermon this morning and said, go do this. I said, okay. So you're not getting all the types of prayer this morning. You're giving your position. You're understanding the authority, the, the importance of you in prayer, the importance that you have, your position and your authority in prayer, because God does want to make you a wonder. And what's interesting, too, and I, I will say this, you know, even like if you've ever heard Pastor Brad say there's someone that has, uh, or even, you know, any, any pastor or preacher or someone that has... Um, Use the word of knowledge that had been given. Does someone have this going on in their shoulder? Does someone have this, you know, someone in here ha is having a problem with their ear, with their back, whatever. Because God is showing them something, but God doesn't show something just to show it. He wants to show it and reveal it. Why? So that you will now do something about it and heal it. So there's a reason for the revelation. He's revealing it to be able to operate and do something about it.
Isn't that an, a wonderful thing? So it's like he has revealed certain things to man. And, and listen to what it says in, um, where did I write it? Proverbs 25.2. It is the glory of God to conceal things. But it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. It's glory of God to conceal a thing, but it is the honor of kings or the glory of kings to search out a, ma a matter or to search a thing out. That means we've got to do searching. We've got to spend time in prayer. That's where he reveals many things, and that's where we build up our, our spirit man. That's where we build ourselves up in God so that we can have an attuneness to his Holy Spirit. So when he speaks to us, then we will be, uh, we'll, we'll listen. And we'll understand what he's wanting to do. The last thing I want to I want to touch on. No, I'm not. Zane, can you come to the keyboard? Begin to also use the name of Jesus. If you're not doing that in your prayer life, you need to, to use the name of Jesus because it's not by our own power. It's the name of Jesus that gets things done. It's the name of Jesus. When he died on the cross, when he was the perfect sacrifice for us, God raised him up and his name became the power, became the badge of authority that we carry. That's why it says everything has to bow to his name. Everything. Every name. Everything that has a name. Disease. They all have names. It has to bow. Poverty. It has a name. It has to bow. Lack. It has a name. It has to bow. Everything has to bow to the name of Jesus. That is why... When, when Jesus called his disciples, listen to me for a second. When Jesus called his disciples, see, many people think if they just recite the Lord's Prayer that they're being, uh, you know, whatever, religious or something. They are being religious. But the thing is, Jesus was, was showing them a, a structure. But once Jesus got to the point of the day before his death or the day of his death, you know what he began to do? He began to call them close and he said, now, up till now, you haven't prayed to me for anything, but now you are going to pray to the Father through my name, by my name. He was setting up something different because he couldn't say that in the beginning of his ministry. He hadn't yet gone to the cross. He hadn't yet conquered. But he says, when that day comes, meaning the day that I, I am raised from the dead and I have given you all authority and I've given you victory and I've given you dominion and I give you the keys to be able to have dominion and authority on this earth, then in that day, you're going to pray to the Father yourself in my name because his name has authority. We're not praying to Jesus. Understand. Because there's, you hear a lot of people, and I know it's just because they've gotten used to repeating it, but they say, dear Lord Jesus, da-da-da-da, dear Lord Jesus. We're not praying to Jesus. We're praying to the Father. You will pray to the Father in my name. It's the name that gives the authority. But guess what? The whole reason that the, that the curtain was tore in the temple was why? Because we now have access to the Father. 
I know many times we're like, well, what's the big deal? There's a big deal. Because in the Old Testament, they couldn't even go into the Holy of Holies. Only one priest, uh, only one priest, the high priest could go in. One man out of millions could go in. So we have to realize that. We have to realize like the difference that happened, the shift that happened. Because we think, well, it's, it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. Because before, they couldn't. They could give their sacrifice, but a high priest had to go in on their path. But now, we get to go in. We can go into the Holy of Holies. We can come in and worship. We can come in and praise Him. That's why I, I, I talk so much about praising and worshiping. Because it's how we enter in. It's how we enter in. That, that's why we have, this is not just something that's a great idea for to, to do for 20 minutes or a half hour, however long worship lasts. It's not just like, well, you know, it's just fun to do. We like to sing. We like to have something. No, there's a purpose in what we're doing. We worship. We praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving, and we enter into his courts with praise. Wait, right? Yeah. Sometimes I talk faster than my brain has to catch up. But there's a reason we do that, because we don't get into the Holy of Holies without that. So if you're having problems entering into his presence, it might be because you're not spending any time in worship. It might be because you're not spending any time in, in thanking him, in worshiping him. I want to encourage you this week. That this week is going to be a different week. This week is going to be a week of, of putting worship on, putting praise on, putting yourself in a position by yourself where you're not going to be distracted, where, where things aren't going to uh, come up. I have to find the craziest places sometimes. And I know this place is huge, but I'm telling you, it's almost like every spot is a, has living beings in it. I, I go out in my car. The other day I was out in my car. Because it's a place where I know that I'm not going to get distracted. I did that in Hana all the time because we had 700 square foot living space for all five of us. So I, I went in my car. My car was my prayer place. And it wasn't going anywhere. I didn't drive anywhere. I just sat in the car. And when the kids would go outside to play, I would like roll the seat back so they couldn't see me. <laughs> but find a place where it's quiet. And then just begin to enter in. Enter into his presence. Begin to say, God, I love you. Father, I thank you for all the good things you've given me. Don't just start rambling. Think about what you're saying. Apply your heart to it. Begin to worship him. If you have worship songs on, sing the songs to him. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues. Allow him to touch you. Allow an encounter to begin to happen with him. Begin to build the altar of prayer in your life. Why don't we stand?